The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and Southeastern New Mexico could nearly double crude oil production by the year 2023. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Today's podcast is sponsored by Baker Hughes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm so excited to share this time with all of you and hope that you're having a good week so far. I'm sitting here this afternoon in West Texas with the co-chairs of We Choose Our Future, Christine Foreman and Dave Joyner. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Krista, for having us. Thank you. Before we get started, I do want to ask everyone to help our show out. We're fairly new. We're still under a year old, but I would love for you to take a few minutes out of your day and leave a review in iTunes. I cannot thank you enough for doing this. We are so appreciative of the reviews we've received so far and for Apple choosing Permian Perspective to be on the new and noteworthy list. A special thank you to one of our listeners who left this email. Robin said, Krista, thank you for sharing the wonderful things here in the Permian and sharing the stories of those who make it such a great place to live. I also love the kind words you share about the community and VPs. West Texans are so giving, and it's wonderful to hear how others are giving back. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much, Robin. It's always nice and kind for people to say nice words about your show. And we really appreciate you. Without you, the listeners, we would have no show. So thank you again. Christine and Dave, we're so excited to have you on the show today. Yay, we're I'm excited to be here. Well, some of you may have heard, especially if you're here in the Permian, we had a recent election. There was a, a bond that was up for the vote. Midland voters have voted yes to a recently passed $569 million school bond, that of which would not have happened if it wasn't for you two. So let's go ahead and start from, well, let's say the beginning if someone has not been here in the Permian because we have listeners all over the world. Tell us how this came to be. Well, so I'll just start with the Midland ISD looking at the need for more facilities. We've had a lot of growth in our area recently with the increase in oil production and all of the great things that are going on in oil and gas. And so there's a lot of people coming to Midland. And over the last few years, there's been a lot of capacity needs, especially at our secondary school level. And so they've been, you know, looking at needing to build more facilities. In 2012, there was an elementary school bond that built three new elementary schools to address that capacity need. But now it's time to address the secondary facilities needs. And so they got a group together called the Facilities Master Planning Committee. Lots of community members, business members in the community, the school district personnel, architecture experts, design experts, nonprofits, just a lot of kind of a broad overview of people in the community that could provide valuable input to what facilities were exactly needed and how to go about meeting the capacity needs. So they started meeting almost two years ago, working. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long ago. Yes. So before the bond was put on the ballot, they had worked or met on and off for over 18 months. And so they they did a lot of demographic studies and some community surveys and just a lot of research and work that went into what 
was going to be the best fit for our community and best fit for the growth that's already here, but also future planning for growth up to 10 years from now. And so that work started back then with that group of people. And then eventually a bond was presented to MISD's school board and then approved to be put on the November ballot. Wow. And then, of course, it was on the ballot. And we'll we'll backtrack in a minute and go back to some of the important items that you just mentioned. But for those of you that are maybe not in our area, this was passed and then it was recounted. And then, and then it was not passed, <laughs> and then it was passed again. <laughs> well, actually, Dave, do you want to explain that? Because <laughs> yeah, maybe Dave. Yeah, yeah. you tell us what happened because it was a little confusing, it was confusing. <laughs> to everybody. Not just, I mean, everybody involved. Right. It is confusing, and the timeline looks like this: on election night, we were led to believe, based on some results that were published by the elections office, that the school bond had passed unofficially. And then about a week later, there's some provisional ballots and some mail-in ballots that come in that are counted by a group of, of election officials seven days after the election. And when we went in to have those be counted to confirm that we still had the lead, we then were informed or found out that Actually, we didn't have the lead and we never had the lead. We were misled. Mm -hmm. I hate to keep using that word. (laughs) We were misled to believe that we were in the lead when we were never in the lead. We came to find out that we were actually 30 votes behind. And then after those extra ballots were counted, we'd made up five votes. And so ultimately we were 25 votes behind. And that was, and then those became the official results a couple of days later. Well, after looking closely at, at some of the the data and the information provided to us by the Secretary of State's office and the elections office, we realized that there's enough issues here that maybe this is worth going ahead and, and, and springing for a recount, which unfortunately in Texas, there is no automatic recount. That has to be paid oh, okay. for by one of the advocacy groups, either for or against whomever is trailing right. is likely to pay for the recount. And so we ended up deciding to pay for a recount. And thank God we did, because after we went and and counted every ballot by hand, the ultimate result was that the bond passed right. by 11 votes. And so now we went from ahead by 12 or thinking we were ahead by 12 to behind by 25 to back ahead by 11. And those are now the official results that have been canvassed and are, are the election is finished. And I understand that was a very smooth process, the recount for for all of you involved and really just a, it was a pretty smooth experience and, and with both sides being there, correct? Yes. yes. So the really great thing, I mean, I know there's a lot of controversy about the new election machines and the way that the elections office has gone about with this new technology. But the really nice thing is there were actually paper ballots to count in the recount. So that that was a benefit for us to be able to, like you said, go through a very strict, thorough, by the book process of counting every single ballot, every vote, and making sure that there were people in the room from the opposition group and those of us in the advocacy group, and then also neutral parties who had had some experience. Either they had worked in the elections office before or volunteered with previous elections. And then the previous elections administrator was actually the the recount coordinator, and and she had multiple years of experience. So it was, and then Rick Davis did a great job of just kind of managing the whole process. So it was 
really great to see a democracy at work. Yes. It was a great experience. And I think it was a long, tedious process, but we all in that room, I think regardless of the result and how it ended up, we all in the room felt very confident in what we had done, the work that we had done and the end result. Right. And it was what, 20 hours? Yes. <laughs> I know you can breathe now. I know. <laughs> you, it, I wish this was uh, television so you could see just the, oh, the really? breath. Because, and I'm sure it was that way for everyone involved afterwards. It was like, let's just breathe. And now how do we move forward? Because I think that's what everybody wants to know is what is the next step? And, and how is this going to benefit the kids? Because there are so many components to the bond that are going to benefit middling kids. Let's talk about that and that information and what the first step is. So Dave, you want to take that sure. one away? <laughs> yeah. The bond was planned. When I saw it, I got very excited. I think Christine hit some high points, but it definitely, the main thing that it does is it creates much needed capacity for our students. Um, we have 1,300 kids graduating and we have 2,200 kids coming into kindergarten. And so wow. that is that has been the case for years, and our elementary schools are filled with classes around that size, and they're going to need somewhere to go in a short few years. My own children are in third and fourth grade. Their classes are, are huge. When you look across the entire city of Midland, they're going to have to have somewhere to go, and the current high schools we have do not have space. Mm -hmm. So adding a third high school, adding modern, safe technology, security, that kind of thing is going to really help our kids get a leg up and try to compete with the, we are measured as a school district against and competing against kids from other school districts across the state to try to get into college and get jobs right. out of high school. And so making sure our kids have the same tools that those other kids in the state have to get educated is really important to us as a community. Lots of people in this town go to work every day in brand new, beautiful technologically advanced office buildings and why not offer that same thing to our children instead of sending them to school in 60 and 80 year old buildings that have been kind of duct tape and bailing wire together right because i mean we're all parents and you want the best for your kids you Absolutely. do and i know christine your passion for misd is nothing it's not nothing new i mean this has been around for a long time you are a midland high grad and your kids have all gone through public school system, still in the public school system. Why was this so important to you? And why are you passionate about, about this and for helping other kids as well? Well, I think it starts with my love for our community as a whole. I can see the benefit of public school and what it does for the majority of, of students in our community and who it serves. You know, my kids have been going to school alongside 62,000 other students, you know, so you can see that firsthand that that the school district, the public school district just provides a huge need for our community for educating our future. And so a love of community for sure at first, but then also just being inside those schools campuses where my kids have been and then seeing the needs of campuses where my kids are not attending school and and how broad the need is in MISD and and at first you know when you get involved in something and you start volunteering not everything is all rosy all the time right and and you see the hard stuff and you see the great stuff and I just wanted to be a proponent of helping provide support to 
students and and support to the teachers that are doing the work every day. So that's kind of how I got started. But also, you know, my kids won't benefit from this bond because the implementation won't happen until after they've all graduated. But, but your grandkids might. <laughs> my, exactly. <laughs> but also I can see this. They're both in secondary school right now. Mm-hmm. And my daughter is in a junior high school class with like 45 kids and five of the kids are sitting around a teacher's desk because there's not enough room. Now there's desks to put in there, but there's not enough room in that classroom to put any more desks in there. So, I mean, I see the, I've seen the overcrowding firsthand and, and then also, you know, the lack of technology with the previous school bond, the elementary schools were updated and they had better technology and and they have a lot of things safer, secure, more more secure buildings. But then when they go from sixth grade up into high school, all of that goes away. There's not the great technology. There's not safe buildings. And so it's like they're moving backwards instead of forwards when they go through school. So it's been time to address our secondary schools. I think one of the things that it's been hard for our community to do is look forward and look into the future and what does upgrading our secondary schools do it causes us to add maybe add another comprehensive high school and i think that was a big that was a big issue i'm glad you brought that up because i was going to ask what what has been one of the the toughest issues because it was so split that you feel was maybe maybe they didn't quite understand completely. So is there anything you wanted to clear up with some of those issues? Sure. Yeah. I think the biggest opponent groups are can be generally get grouped by folks who didn't want their property taxes to go up, even though for the size of this bond, the amount of property tax increase is going to be relatively small and it's way overdue. Mm-hmm. And so that was one group. I think that those people exist in every community, regardless of what type of bond it is. There's people that are going to oppose it because it's a, it's a potential property tax increase. There's a group of people who did not want to see a change in the, quote, history or legacy of the town going from a two high school town to a three high school town, which is what it'll be. And and that will have a necessary change in district lines. And so some of the traditional neighborhoods that have attended high school A will might attend high school C now. And that is a a scary thought for some people, I think, really just a fear for the unknown. And and that's understandable. But some people use that to say, I'm voting against the bond because I want us to be a two high school town and I want to keep the district lines where they are mm-hmm. and not realizing that that's probably wasn't going to happen anyway. The other group is is probably, I think, maybe has the most broad opposition for it as far as the, the category is just general issues with the school district as a whole. Either they didn't feel like the school district was doing a good job performing academically. They didn't feel like the school district was treating their teachers properly or there's too much attrition with the teachers or they didn't feel like the school district was treating their money properly. All these different reasons, issues they had with the school district, and they were then putting that on the bond and saying, well, this will be a referendum against the school district. We'll vote down their bond, and that'll let us know we're not okay with their performance. When, at least from Christine and I's perspective, and I think a lot of the proponents of the bond, what they really would be doing is, is sending a message you know, to the students that like, hey, we're, we're not concerned about where you guys and the teachers who work there. We're not concerned about where you guys teach and learn every day. We're just mad at the school district. And so rather than give you tools that might help you mm-hmm. meet those goals of better academic performance, better teacher retention and recruitment, you know, all that kind of thing and, and better fiscal responsibility with having to spend less money and maintenance and repairs on aging buildings and have more efficient, newer facilities. All those reasons you know, made, made it sense to us why the bond needed to pass. 
and he never really understood why people wanted to use the bond as a referendum against the school district. So those are really the main, I think, groups of folks that were oppositional to the bond. And I think that's a good point to bring up because I think trust is a word we see a lot. And a part of that comes from what we see that is reported in the news or or just maybe you hear a, a tiny little something at, at the coffee shop and then you pass it on. What is that? What's that game operator? Oh, where, yeah. where, where, where it just gets, it gets changed as oh, a telephone, you know, yeah, game. telephone, excuse me. Yes, thank you. Ma'am. Thank you. Telephone, <laughs> the telephone game. And so I think with that, you know, as a society, we tend to just rush to judgment and that happens a lot. Why should people that maybe were on the opposite side really try to look at a different perspective and, and give the superintendent and his team and the school board a chance, you know, what they've obviously proven to all of you, what would you say to them as is a good way to start fresh right now with this bond? I think I would say, you know, just make sure that you know who they are as people, but also plug in and and work alongside them for a minute or two. And you'll right. see that really the end goal that all of these administrators and school board members the end goal is to provide quality education for our public school kids. And we're all, you know, innately good. We don't all do things the same way and we don't all agree on the best way to get there, but don't continue to stand on the sidelines and complain or be negative about something that you're not willing to actually get in and see how it's working and provide constructive feedback. If you don't agree with something, offer a solution or offer a change. Don't just complain about something and not be a part of the solution. So I think that's the biggest thing. And that's what I learned is, is if you aren't willing to be a part of the solution, then, and you really, you shouldn't be a part at all. (laughs) So how can people get involved? That is, that was a perfect lead into my next question is how can people now get into the process in the next step? And because I know it's not like overnight, we're just going to have brand new facilities. And I mean, I know that there's a process to anything. How can people get involved? Goodness, there are, are, (laughs) I'll have to defer to Christine on some of these, but there are myriad ways. I mean, that's how I am sitting in this chair right now is I started with a a small tutoring program that a friend of mine, Lori Boldrick started called one-to-one tutoring. I love Lori. Yes. (laughs) Yes, she is a wonderful person. Well, she started this program to get help for these kids, Mm -hmm. after-school tutoring for kids who predominantly at risk of dropping out, but it's open to anyone. And it started as a small, small group that met once a week across from Midland High with Midland High kids. And now they have them at at many different campuses across the city. That's how I got started in getting involved. And then- Great program. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's programs like that. There's Educate Midland. There's Midland Education Foundation. There's there's a bunch of other ways that people can get plugged in 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 a formal way. And of course, there's mentorship programs and things like that that people can do as well. And what am I missing? Well, I was going to say, if you're really focused on or wanting to be involved in the bond itself, there's going to be a community oversight committee, which will be involved for, well, or it'll be a place for people to be involved in watching the process or even being a part of the the process and providing input and making sure that the things that this bond was intended to do are being done. So for the bond itself, if that's your, if that's what you're really interested in, then let your school board member know that you're interested in being on that committee. There's going to be a year of planning before any, you know, ground is broken. So there's going to be a lot of different 
I think that's the other thing. Some people were frustrated that this was this bond didn't have a line by line item of very specific details about the bond. But but to me, that's a benefit because then there are some things that can be done. You're not, you know, nailed down to one or two different things. You can actually have some flexibility as to how the money is is spent and what the the things that the teachers, you know, are saying that they need or the campuses, you know, they're all different. They all have different needs. So it's going to take community input and input from the staff in the school district. So if you're talking about, you know, being involved that way, also we have four school board seats coming up. Um, hey, there's a way to yes. jump in. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm excited. I can't really explain a lot of it, but I, I know there's going to be some opportunity for training for school board, potential school board members, something that I have just learned about. And so, you know, if, if, that's something that you're interested in, but you don't feel like you have enough knowledge or have a skill set, then there's going to be an opportunity for you to, you know, gain some knowledge about that. And what, what does a school board member actually do? And, and no, they don't get paid. It is volunteer work and no, they're not, you know, nothing's lining their pockets or anything like that. So, but that's important to kind of know how that works, know what they can control and know what they can't control. I think that's really important is educating yourself on how actually the school district works because that's something that if it's an unknown then you're fearful to maybe be a proponent of something if you don't really know much about it but like dave said tons of other opportunities to get involved in volunteering and getting involved in the community but really my biggest piece of wisdom i would say is find where whatever you're passionate about and whatever you're willing to be a positive part of the solution, then that's what you should focus on. And there's tons of different ways in our community, which is great. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of the big oil and gas companies that were supporting the bond. You have Apache, Chevron, Diamondback, Pioneer, Concha, just to name a few, some big ones. I think we've all heard of them. Why do you think this bond was so important for the oil and gas sector? Well, I think when I talk to people within those companies that were a big part of, of, of getting them behind this process, they were able to pretty easily make a what they refer to as a business case for the bond to the company even though a lot of these companies are big mineral owners and 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 they pay a lot of property tax in our county and so Mm -hmm. they actually helped to promote something that would actually cause them to pay more taxes but they also realized that manpower is one of the most scarce resources we have in the Permian Basin right Right. now. And getting people in here and getting people to commit to move here and stay here, a huge part of that are families. You got young, the story of a young engineer who comes in and he wants to work and he may be commuting for a little while. He wants to move his family here, but he's not sure about the education system for his kids. He's clearly a sharp person who has, you know, is an engineer and he wants the same thing for his kids. Well, if we can if they can do what they can to raise up the quality of the education in our town, then that person's likely to come, they're likely to stay, they're likely to continue to contribute in the community and maybe raise the next generation of engineer or geologist or whoever else might be working in the oil and gas sector for the next generation. Right. And it, it is it, because as as we all know, as parents, that's an important question that you always ask is, you know, if I'm moving to this community, where am I going to put my schools? And you want them to have great options and this right there is going to just raise the level of, of great options because we, we do have other options as well. But I know both of you as proponents of, of public school system is you want to give them the best 
possible public school system that we can get. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a part of, and you said options, and I see it as choice. Mm -hmm. We want to have a lot of good quality choices for our kids. We have some great private schools. We have some good charter schools. Homeschooling is an option. We want public school to be a quality option as well. And unfortunately, when people are coming to Midland from other parts of the state or even parts of the country, MISD has not always been known for the quality of education that they, you know, that they provide. And I think we all as parents want to have have lots of choices because again, I mean, I have friends who have kids in private school and I choose to put my kids in public school, but at any given moment, if I needed to make a different choice for one of my kids, then I want that choice to be there. And I think that's what that's what this means for the oil and gas companies in our community is that this provides another choice to the people that they're trying to recruit to come to Midland and get here and stay here and raise their families here and which ultimately you know makes our community better absolutely and that's the thing what we all love living here in the permian what is it that you love most we'll we'll go both both of you christine you go ahead and start first well you know i probably am a little bit biased because (laughs) i was born here and raised here and i did leave for college for a short period of time and swore i would never come back but then ended up coming back here and raising a family here i think midland has the greatest sense of small town community feel with such supportive, generous Midlanders, people that have been mentors of mine and, but a place that you can really be plugged in and, and grow and put your roots here. So I think it's an easy place to love. The people here are, are amazing, but we also, you know, it's kind of hard. You don't want to see your small town grow and expand. And, and we some of us have, have seen that. And some people see that as a negative thing. And I really want to look at it as a positive thing. I think Midland growing, we can stay, keep our same small town mm-hmm. feel. And we have the same great people while we're, you know, enticing other great people to move here and be a part of the community. So definitely the, the people in the community feel are my favorite thing about Midland. Couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Dave, what do you love about the program? Well, she kind of stole the one that immediately <laughs> jumped in my brain, which was the people here, the community here. I love, I mean, I I was born in Dallas. I went to school in Austin. I lived in Los Angeles. You've been all over. Yes. And these are not small places. <laughs> right. And so the the now the fact that it's almost not just commonplace, but expected when I walk in somewhere, I expect to know people. I mean, mm-hmm. rather it's the grocery store or a restaurant or anywhere. I expect to know people and them to know me. And that is very unique to this town and this community. And I love that about this place. The other part of it too is just the opportunity. I didn't realize how entrepreneurial I was until I moved here. Mm-hmm. And very quickly after moving here, working for someone else, I was, wanted to go out on my own. And this town is very much a, a driver for that type of, of, of attitude and mentality. And, and I have many friends who are in the same boat I am in. So I'm you know, in an oil and gas company of two that I've been running for 10 years. And, and I love it. And I have all the support I need from the community, from the leaders, the barons of industry, people who 
our, our household names in the oil and gas industry. I, I am a phone call away. Even if it, when I didn't know them, mm-hmm. I could call them and they'd be like, sure, come on down, see me. Well, when I was in Los Angeles working <laughs> in the entertainment industry, I could not call Steven Spielberg and right. get a meeting with him. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> but I can do that with the equivalent of Steven Spielberg in, in oil and gas. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. if I wanted to call and talk to a CEO of one of the Permian-based oil and gas companies, I could be in their office in probably a day's notice. And that is what is really cool and and unique about this town and i love that and that's why you know i'm here i'm staying here i'm pouring myself into trying to better this town of course anything you want to leave it better than you found it i love that and that is a great analogy because i think unless you live here you don't realize how true that is but just to be able to pick up the phone and call people and and they'll answer Mm -hmm. that's how that's how i get people on my podcast i just call them and they Mm -hmm. answer but it really it's not like any other town i've ever lived in and Mm -hmm. i grew up in california and so Mm -hmm. i understand what you're saying Mm -hmm. It's a lot different and there's just a beauty of it. And I think y'all both hit it right there, then hit the nail on the head. It is the people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What have you learned the most through this process and the bond and that you will take with you as you move forward? I think for me, I never saw myself as doing something like this, but I felt I... Looking back, I see that the work that I've been doing in public education for a long time and the work that I've done in the community really prepared me to be able to step out and do this, but only with the support of so many people, the companies that were, you know, backing us and and hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that that helped us. Dave and I have been, you know, the figureheads per se, but but it's not been he and I doing all the work. There have been so many integral people behind us. And so feeling the support and being able to to step out and do something that I don't think I would have been able to do without without that. But then also because there was, you know, an opposition group, it made me grow as a person to really be able to understand another perspective and not just discount it, but actually take it in and decide, you know, how to be able to articulate agreeing to disagree on something. And that grew me as as a person because I've always been a people pleaser. And and I realized that you can still stand firm and believe in something and not agree on it and not worry that I'm not, you know, pleasing everyone in the room because I'm doing something that I truly believe in. And, and I think it's the most important thing for our community at this point. That was beautiful. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> and thank you for all you do because you said you never saw yourself there. But I've seen you there for years. I've, I always think of you as this huge advocate for for kids and families and education. And now, really, we're just we're seeing you there a little bit more because you're in the news more. But I've seen you do this and be passionate about it for years. And it it, it is an unpaid job when you're. <laughs> and so you're, we're just paid in thank you. So thank you for oh, for being such you. a great advocate. Thank you, Dave. How about you? What have you learned the most through this process? Well, it's again not surprising. There's a lot of overlap. Yes, <laughs> what Christine learned and what I learned, but not to repeat what she said. One of the other things that I learned that I never expected to learn is a lot of nitty gritty nuance about how our election system works, mm-hmm. about how the entire process works, about how school bonds work, something that we didn't really dive into. But now I have a really good understanding of how our state's Robin Hood, our recapture program works that I had a cursory understanding before, but now I understand it very well and understand how much the school bond helps us escape some of that penalty that we get as people who pay into that. And so 
And we um, could probably spend another hour on that, right? Easy. Yeah, public <laughs> school finance yes. 101. That's the next exactly. one. I'm so sure people I, would listen. <laughs> yeah, just gloss. You start diving into it like, I don't understand all this. And then boom, immediately gloss over it. So, but that, that's been probably a lot of, of, of nitty gritty details that I never thought I would understand that I'm really glad I know now just as a, as a citizen and as a community right. member. As those sorts of discussions come up, I'm now armed with information that I didn't have before. Well, I'm glad you did bring that up. And, and without going into Robin Hood of one one. Could you explain that? Because I actually had someone ask me that today mm -hmm. when I said I was coming to do this podcast. Mm -hmm. They said, well, I don't understand Robin Hood. What mm -hmm. is it? And so people think because we are such a, an economic rich mm -hmm. community that all the money just stays here mm -mm. when it doesn't. Nope. That's right. It's so just the, the, the 60 second version is that yes. the we are a property rich district because of all of the oil and gas that's underneath where we're sitting right now. And because of that, there's this Robin Hood or recapture program means they take money from the more rich districts. They have to pay it into the uh, state coffer and that gets paid out to the smaller districts. And so we have to, regardless of our performance, regardless of how much we need that money to try to fix some of our problems, we have to send it. It is, it is by law. There's no way around it. And so, whereas we might, we might bring in $400 million in property taxes this year, we have to spend, send $130 million to Austin. Well, we can we're, we can build a new high school for 171 million dollars, and so we're we're spent sending almost in, as much money as it takes to build a high school to Austin, and every that's year. just this year wow. exactly every year. Yes, that's just this year, and it's gone up every year too as the property valuations have gone up. And so one thing that's really great about the bond flipping the way it has back to being passing. I sat in a budgeting workshop for the school district the other day, and they were talking about the fact that, wow, we have to budget $9.5 million out of our maintenance and operation budget. Well, the maintenance and operation budget is the part that's subject to recapture. We only get to keep 70 cents on the dollar out of that. The other 30 cents, that's the $130 million I was just talking about, that goes to Austin. And so we have to have, if we need to spend, basically, if we need to spend $7 million on something, we have to actually get 10 million and then we spend 3 million in Austin and then we get to spend 7 million. Well, with the school bond, we can do things like this $9 million project I was talking about is to repair roofs from hail damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can do that with bond money now. So hundred percent of the money that comes from Midland stays here to fix those kind of projects. And that gives us a bigger pool of money to pay teachers, which is the overwhelming majority of that. Maintenance yeah. 80%, 80 percent. 80 percent of yes. the 70 percent is spent on people. Yes, that's right. And so that, that, arms us with, it just frees us up significantly. So this bond passing, that's, that's one of the biggest pieces is the ability to take these things that we have to spend, that we have to do just to keep the buildings and, and things going. We get to keep that money here and use bond money for it. And then that lets us use the maintenance and operations side to pay our teachers and do things that that really directly benefit boots on the ground. That was a great explanation. Thank you. Sure. So, see, you learned, you, you had like a master's degree in this <laughs> in six months. Yeah. Christine, is there anything coming in this interview? And I, you know, I didn't even get to ask you all the, the personal questions I get to like, tell me your favorite quote in your podcast. So we may need to have you all back on another day, but we're running out of time. But I, I wanted to know coming into this interview, is there anything that maybe we haven't covered yet that you think is so important that you want the voters in Midland to know about this school bond and how it will benefit our community? Gosh, that's a big question. Yeah, know. You know, I think where we sit today, I think the biggest thing to understand is that, you know, we may not have won the bond election by a huge number. It was very close. And so I think some people are fearful 
to move forward. And though there are some discrepancies that the county needs to figure out with the election to be, you know, to figure out for future elections for our community, the bond did pass where it sits right now. So I think the most important thing is, though we are trying to be sensitive and compassionate to the people who are on the losing side of of this work, they it's not a full loss. It's it's going to be a benefit. It's going to be a gain for our community. And so don't be afraid to now, you know, I can't ask you to speed up the process of, of whatever that looks like for you to feel a loss. But when you're ready to move forward, because we need to move forward, our kids have been, our teachers have been teaching since November 6th. Right. Um, they had to go back to work the next day after the election. Our students are still in those overcrowded classrooms and without safety and technology that is really, really important. So they're having to move forward. And though maybe it's hard for us to move forward, we're going to have to move forward. And we, and I, I would love for us to move forward together rather than, you know, being so feeling so divided. I think it's a choice that we have to make moving forward and taking that next step. And, and, you know, I'm choosing to move forward and I hope that other people in their own time will make a choice to, to move forward for the benefit of our students, for the benefit of our teachers, for the benefit of our entire community. And knowing you like I do, I know it would have, if it would have flipped, you would have been moving forward in that same direction, getting everyone together just like you are now. Yes. I mean, it would not, your answer would have been the exact same because I know, I know your heart and I know that that's where, where it is. And I think that's important is just to move forward together as a community. I love that. Dave, how about you coming into this? Is there anything that maybe we haven't talked about yet that you think is just so important, you know, from, from your standpoint that you'd like everyone to know? I think we really covered it. And just to echo a little bit of what Christine said, I think from here, Mm -hmm. the most important thing is figuring out how to unify we have to, this was a divisive issue. People allowed it to just really mess up friendships and, and get in and really just drive a wedge into our community. We've got to come back together and, and realize that we need to be pulling this cart in the same direction. And so getting together, realizing that we've got to move on. And, and, and I would be saying the same thing again, if the bond had, had not passed is we've got to get together. We've got to figure out what we can do to help students. And just as a community as a whole, we need to heal. We need to have each other's backs. There's enough divisiveness and reasons to to be opposed in the world without adding another one to it. So let's see if we can get together. Let's realize that the the goal of everyone, I think, for the most part in this whole process, whichever side you're on, is to benefit kids. Well, then let's actually do it. Let's get put our head down and do it. And so that's uh, that's that's definitely the thing I want to try to hammer home. The work's not over. (laughs) That's right. It's just beginning, right? And there's ways to get involved, whichever side you were on. There are ways to get involved. And I love that you mentioned those. Let's talk about where people can find you on social media so that they can stay connected and get more involved. You're on Facebook? Yes. So so we choose our future. And yes, for Midland Kids, we're on Facebook and Instagram. We'll continue updating people as we go forward from there. But also the district, MISD has a great Facebook platform. They have a great website. Campuses get involved and plugged in in a campus. I just you know, the Midland Education Foundation has a Facebook page and and they provide a lot of support to teachers and students in our community. Educate Midland, you know, there's so many priority. Midland does a great job as well. I know I'm missing mm-hmm. a lot of things, but that, you know, following all of those 
those platforms, but really where you are the most informed and the most involved is when you actually show up in a school. That's a great point. Yes. And we put on the show notes a link to the Facebook page for Yes for Midland Kids so that you can see what's happening. And and I'm sure you will be tracking the progress of the bond and everything for the next however many years, 10 years, 15 (laughs) years, 20 years. But thank you both for what you've done. And for your volunteering your time and being passionate about our community because it it is one thing to talk about it, but then it is another thing to do something about it. And I think that y'all not only talk the talk, you walk the walk, but it, it is it is important to have people like you in our community. And so thank you from, from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you, you both. Thank so. you for having us and allowing us to come here and, and talk about it. And it, I feel like I didn't get to ask you your favorite quote, but I just want to know, do you have a favorite quote, Christine? Oh gosh, <laughs> I have, I look, I have a quote for every season of my life and it changes. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is, as I really focus on, you know, do what you say you're going to do. <laughs> I love it. Very good. Dave, you got a favorite quote? I don't have it memorized, but it's just, it goes back to, it's come up a lot, but just, it's a, it's a Teddy Roosevelt quote, just about like, if you haven't been in the arena, if you oh, haven't. I love battled, that one. Oh, Brene yes. Brown talks about that one a lot. Oh, yes. Being in okay. the arena. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the one about like, if you haven't gotten dirty and gotten beat down and, and then, then, you know, then you're just on the sideline. And so I think that applies to this too. You got to get in the arena and get dirty. Good yeah. quote. Good okay. job. We're Thank dirty you. and our feet hurt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put your feet up for a little bit and then it's time to get back to work, right? <laughs> but thank you so much again. And thank you for sharing with us. Uh, once again, for more information, go to Facebook. Yes, for Midland Kids. Our guests today, I cannot thank you enough, Christine Foreman and Dave Joyner. Thank you for thank We you so Choose much. Our Future. It's now time to announce today's community MVP. And today's community MVP is Centers for Children and Families. Did you know that Children for Centers and Families provides free services to military and to their families? Centers is also providing free counseling to those affected by the August 31st tragedy in our area. Help Centers help others in our awesome community. Share the good word about what Centers does. You can volunteer. You can donate your dollars. But Centers for Children and Families exist to improve the quality of life and strengthen the communities we serve through counseling, educational, and supportive services. For more information, go to centerstx.org. Today's show is sponsored by Baker Hughes, who recently launched a new and reimagined Baker Hughes brand. As an energy technology company, they strive to make energy safer, cleaner, and more efficient for people and the planet. Well, that's it. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. We appreciate you as always. And this concludes Permian Perspective, the story behind the oil and gas leaders in the Permian Basin. Another special thanks to Baker Hughes, our guests today, Christine Foreman and Dave Joyner. And for all of you for listening, we appreciate you. Remember my motto is dream big and believe in yourself and never give up. You make it a great day. Hey guys, Alex here with the events on deck for December. We'll be having two OGGN happy hours to kick off 2020. One will be in January in Houston. We have not announced the date yet, but we'll get back with you guys soon on that. And we will be having our first happy hour in Pittsburgh in February 2020, also with the date coming soon. So stay tuned on those. Upcoming events include the Bells of Houston, a masquerade, unmasking the stigma of PTSD. This will take place on December 5th in Houston. The Latin America Oil and Gas Summit is December 5th and 6th in Uruguay. The API Energy Houston Chapter General Meeting will be held on December 11th, 2019 in Houston. The Wildcatters Ball is taking place on February 7th, 2020 in Houston. 
And lastly, the IPAA Leaders Industry Luncheon will be held on December 11th in Houston. That's all the events for this month, guys. Be sure to tune in at the beginning of January to see what's happening then. Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com.